Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Rob Observations. I am Rob Liefeld, hence the Rob of Rob Observations, and we always uh, do it up here with uh, comic books, mostly comic book themed stuff. It uh, delves into sci-fi and occasionally maybe a Western reference, okay, but uh, it's basically comic book superheroes. There's Western comic books, there's fantasy comic books. I, I feel like I've covered uh, so very many of these topics across um, so many different um, platforms on this uh, podcast. Welcome to this edition of Rob Observations. We got a lot going on today. It's a uh, it's going to be an interesting one for sure because uh, I got a lot of my mind. Oh, I got a lot of my mind. So um, uh, uh, to to start with, we are going to discuss. Uh, the C C C, and and that is what I am calling character chemistry component. We could even get four C's in there if we said critical character chemistry the component. The critical character, critical character chemistry component. Okay, because chemistry is everything, and I've really been um, thinking about this as. Uh, Several, you know, pop uh, pop culture characters, superheroes, are in the news in regards to you know what's going to happen next with like James Bond, for instance. I really enjoyed No Time to Die. I it, it I sought out. Um, I went to my when Spectre came out. They were they released all the movies, but Spectre on a really nice uh, collector's edition uh, Blu-ray, and I was popping through those movies and always around the holidays. I don't know, more so than any other film series, I watch James Bond movies in the fall, mainly between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And it was really a, uh, it was a tradition that was uh, cemented by the fact that my oldest son had, uh, had, had had a curiosity about Bond when he became aware of Bond with about, it was probably Skyfall. So, so you know, for for the better part of the last decade, um, given that Skyfall wasn't quite ten years ago, but 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 uh, Spectre was. I mean, like Spectre was no Spectre was six years ago. So I think I'm, I'm I think I'm in that range, about ten years, whatever. Uh, we've watched the Timothy Dalton Bonds. We've watched the Roger Moores, the Sean Connerys, George. What's his name? We watched them all. Okay, so so we we we've. Uh, Watched all of them over the years, and I was revisiting the Daniel Craig films, of which I really like, and and remembering that several of them, man, they have some great killer uh, action set pieces. I had completely forgotten uh, the opening of Spectre in Mexico City, and that amazing tracking shot that kicks off the film, and all of that uh, beginning action that takes you into the helicopter but just just getting into the helicopters very exciting over mexico city and really big awesome great action that fight with dave bautista was uh was really great it was it was brutal it was um very uh i mean you felt it you felt those blows it was really really well done sam mendez uh, I, I, I might have enjoyed parts of Spectre more than I did Skyfall. Skyfall is not my favorite Bond film. So many people 
immediately go to that one. Uh, uh, for me, it really is a tie between uh, uh, Casino Royale and and uh, and No Time to Die. No Time to Die tapers off towards the end for me, uh, but there's two thirds of the best James Bond movie I ever saw in there. This all brings me to the point that Daniel Craig is for sure not coming back, and so now the you know murmurs have started who's going to be the next Daniel Craig. Who's going to, I mean, who's going to be the next James Bond? Who's going to be the next 007? So, and it's fun to watch as people debate and you, you think about who would have been in the conversation five years ago, five years before that, who was in the conversation back when they were uh, switching between Pierce Brosnan. Uh, we've obviously, obviously watched all the Brosnan films too. Um, Pierce, Pierce Brosnan and, uh, and Daniel Craig, and and I mean, so so it'll be interesting. It'll really be interesting. But but he's not alone. Um, we, we're all looking forward to let's call it the umpteenth Batman in the Robert Pattinson, the Batman, uh, which is coming out. I mean, you get you go. Uh, I mean, literally, I'll just do the film ones because that makes my count lower. But uh, in, in regards to going backwards, so Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Christian Bale. Uh, ben Affleck and now Robert Pattinson, which is almost as, uh, you know, not quite, but I mean, Spider-Man with McGuire and Tobey Maguire and uh, Andrew Garfield and now Tom Holland. I mean, and, and that that really is since 2007. I mean, so in 14 years, we have gotten three Spider-Man uh, and, and obviously many more Batman over the years, but uh, given that Marvel, the MCU is, you know, dancing with, uh, the X-Men franchise and, and how are they going to, um, roll it in? And I got to tell you guys, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I know, uh, the Eternals marks the end of this, this initial phase, which was Black Widow, a prequel, uh, Shang-Chi, which was a new launch and then the Eternals, which was a new launch. And then the next thing that we have, on the docket is obviously the shared uh, property of Spider-Man because Sony has propriety over that and and kind of uh, combines with Marvel on on the Tom Holland Spider-Man in regards to implementing him into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that's up next, and that seems like more of a con- continuation of of what we left behind with Avengers. And in the meantime, you know, again they gave us a prequel to kind of give. Um, Natasha, really Scarlett Johansson, her, 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 her due shine, you know, giving her a spotlight. That's how it felt. I loved it. I enjoyed the movie very much. I've always been effusive and very, I thought it was very good. Black Widow was just a good time at the movies um, for me. And, and with the travel that we did this summer, whether it was uh, when we flew to Hawaii or to Italy or wherever, um, recent conventions, you know, my trips to Florida, my, my, my trips to Arizona, to New York. Black Widow is being watched on every, in everybody's seat. They've got it on their iPad, their phone, whatever device on the airline. So it was really the summer to watch. Uh, you couldn't escape Black Widow. It was everywhere. And, and I, I would, I, have you ever found yourself looking over the shoulder of the guy next to you? You're like, well, I'll just watch his film. I'll just watch what he's having. Um, and that happened a lot this summer. I was, uh, very much kind of like leaning over left or leaning right when I would like see people had different sections of Black Widow, particularly, I mean, always somebody was playing Black Widow. So, you know, then you had Shang-Chi, which very, really fun, great movie. I enjoyed it. 
and then the Eternals, which I enjoyed. It's very interesting. I'm still dwelling on it. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a gonna I think come to a consensus with myself after I see it a second time. But really, uh, you know, they need to get these X Men movies going. Uh, the X Men are beloved. They are loved. Whether it's the comic books, the animated series, all of these toys. And this leads me to where I'm going here with the critical, let's go, critical character chemistry component, okay? Uh, if you cast poorly, and, and I did say in my Eternals podcast that I had some casting issues. It's the first time I really had casting issues with a Marvel movie. I will never say who I was not, uh, who I, I felt was miscast, but I feel like the the movie was is held back by performances that could have been better cast. That's my that's my opinion. And being, you know, very careful in, in what I say beyond that, but I, I I will I believe that is part of what I don't love about the Eternals is that there are characters um that, that I, I think could have been cast better and who have provided more gravitas, more chemistry. And I think some of the chemistry in the movie a couple of the characters, it depends on when, uh, you know, they're paired with other characters who have more pop and, 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 and those miscast roles pop more when they're next to characters who are really, uh, giving it kind of an, them an extra bump. But let's think about Wolverine. That's another one like James Bond that's been, you know, bandied around and, uh, you know, it's, it's like, those are going to be big shoes to fill. I mean, for 20 years, we had Hugh Jackman. Uh, Hugh Jackman, by the way, broke so many Wolverine rules, as you guys know. And, and it was my generation that put Wolverine over the top. It was my generation that experienced the Bronze Age kids who experienced Wolverine's uh, transformation under John Byrne when he came on the X-Men as a Canadian, put an extra emphasis on Wolverine. It was a source of, 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 of his feud, his falling out. I did X-Men... I did comic book feuds. I covered this. Um, I, I have an entire comic book feuds series. And it, it, it is it is a series that I actually get really great feedback on. So many of these feuds aren't known, even though they are in print and in press. But again, they're not on YouTube, you know. And, and, and some of these gems you're going to find are going to come in books and things you have to read. And I love reading. I love reading articles. I would prefer to read a great article than to watch an interview. I always have. But as my buddies at the bloggers told me six, seven years ago, video content is what you guys want. I, you know, many people ask me, do a YouTube show. Why, why can't you put this on YouTube? I don't want to film this. I don't want to have to worry about how I look. I just want to talk into this mic and discuss topics that I enjoy and share them with you. And if you enjoy them, then, then, then you know, that's, that's terrific. If it sparks some curiosity, if it sparks, uh, if it gets you to go out and buy more comics, great. You know, that, that, then, then, then that's a win-win for everybody. Um, but I just, I don't, I just want to talk. One of the reasons I did this show and I, and I, and I meant to mention this in a previous episode beyond the loneliness of the pandemic. Uh, so often I hear people talk about me or talk of me and they don't talk in my voice even remotely. They don't even remotely. Um, the internet would have you believe that I speak like this. Oh, my name is Rob Liefeld. Me, uh, draw no feet. Um, it's, it's, it's. You know, or like I came out of Suicide Squad earlier this year, a movie I completely enjoyed. I thought it was ridiculously well-made. I think James Gunn is so 
talented. I thought Suicide Squad um, was great fun. Just what a blast. Really well made. Love the visuals. Love the movement. Love the pacing. Love the performances. That was a movie that was perfectly cast across the board. Um, but it didn't do well. It literally uh, didn't get a lot of numbers streaming. It didn't have anybody go to, into the theaters to see it, which we now know is not just a streaming thing as movies like uh, Dune have attested. You can really push people into theaters big time um, while still also streaming and kind of do that dance. I think they achieved that with Godzilla somewhat. They achieved that with Mortal Kombat. So Suicide Squad is kind of a uh, an outlier for HBO Max and that it really is the one that didn't do well on either you know, in, in either form on either platform, whether it was in theaters or, 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 or streaming. But when I said that, when I saw this, that I really do believe DC is broken, that the DC band brand is broken. It broke. Rob Liefeld says DC brand is broken. And it made me sound like DC is broken. Um, like cavemen, they always make me sound stupid and I don't, sound like the way they make me sound. And so many of you have let me know that hearing my actual voice uh, is is different. And, and, and so I've just taken a lot of... These episodes could be phone calls with me and my friends. And I try and bring that same kind of energy and spark and interest and curiosity. And so, you know, what, what, uh, video content and... and, and getting stuff on YouTube, you know, that, that seems to be what everybody prefers, except that so much of, of what matters, um, uh, it was done in print, uh, interviews, uh, overviews, uh, just, uh, so much of what happened with history is still in hardcover and trades. And if you guys seek them out, you won't regret them. I, I got this great 80 year book from Marvel Comics, and it is one of the most, uh, I was shocked at how respectful it is of each era, including the 90s, including my peers, myself, Todd, Jim. Does that matter to me? Of course it does. We, I believe, made important works that move people, and that's all it needs. All you have to do is move somebody. But, um, you know, was it really reverent to the Bronze Age? It was, and it should be. And again, that's where characters like Wolverine broke through and became super powerful. I mean, super popular and their power and had a powerful pull with readers. And uh, when Hugh Jackman was cast, Wolverine was always, they called him a runt in the comics. They'd say, hey, runt, hey, runt. You know, he was small. He was diminutive. That was part of his ferocity that this tiny creature, this mutant would get hot under the collar and take you down. And he could take down even objects, much opponents, and objects, whether it's a robot or an, or an opponent like Wendigo or the Hulk. He would take those objects, opponents down, and it would be even more per- impressive given the ferocity that he displayed because he was short. Sometimes they've lifted him at, at, at five, 5 in the comic books. And so he is truly diminutive. Hugh Jackman gets cast. We all know he's well over 6 feet tall. He's in the 6'4 range. Very tall. Very handsome. So not like the Wolverine who is a little more scraggly. And I'm not sure you would say that he was as classically handsome as Hugh Jackman appears to be. The camera loves Hugh because Hugh is truly 
handsome standing in Hugh's presence as I've had the fortune to do a, a number of times, I am also smitten by him. Like, wow, wow. And again, you guys know how much I love Wolverine. I have poured out my love. My generation loves Wolverine. He's so important to everything that followed. He's so influential. He's one of the most influential characters in regards to what he represents, his story, what he taught a generation in, in regards to twist, turn, secrets. He, uh, he's just an amazing character. But when they cast Hugh Jackman, they broke the mold of the character who had, you know, even in the cartoon, he was shorter, diminutive. He was never as tall as Cyclops, not in the animated series. He was, you know, never as, he didn't have that presence. But we forgave it because we fell in love with how Hugh Jackman looked. And they scraggled him up good. And he looks great in each movie. And, and Hugh got more muscular and more, I mean, wow. He became a real amazing physical presence. And I now see Hugh Jackman as a definitive depiction of Wolverine. And who goes next? I think those shoes are gigantic. I think they're very difficult to fill. And so, you know, whether it's the next James Bond, the next Wolverine, who's going to play Cyclops? Who's going to play Storm? I mean, with Storm and Cyclops... Are we going to be on our, you know, third Storm? You know, we'll be on our third Jean Grey if they recast that. And maybe these are the reasons that Jay, that, that Kevin Feige has pumped the brakes. I don't know. Um, the bottom line is I really think the X-Men are necessary. They are beloved. That run of comics is beloved. Uh, my X-Men number one, uh, the original by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, has gone through an incredible makeover. It's, it's now... Almost a $60,000 comic book. It's slabbed. It's not even in great condition. It's, it's, it's in the fives, okay? But there is a demand for this stuff that is unreal. Just absolutely unreal because people love the X-Men. My original art collection is booming because I chose so many X-Men pages. Key X-Men pages from key moments that defined, uh, you know, this era of the X-Men that, that, that set the table for everything that was to follow. You know, the reason I love Steve Ditko's Spider-Man so much is because you don't get Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man, which I really enjoy, and you don't get Eric Larson's Spider-Man, which I prefer, without Steve Ditko's, okay? You don't get Jim Lee and Joe Matiera's X-Men without John Burns. It's just, he is, it is impossible to remove his influence, and so that speaks to how important that age was and those characters were. But where am I going with all this? Is it really about... Who's going to be cast next as Wolverine? Is it really about who's going to be cast next as Bond? Well, here's the funny thing. So I've got a book coming out uh, right before Thanksgiving, X-Force. It's uh, 30th anniversary. And um, the, uh, the the thing is that uh, uh, it celebrates a bunch of characters that I have a special relationship, a special dynamic with. I was able to see some of those characters come to life as Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds became Deadpool and Josh Brolin became uh, uh, Cable and Zazie Beats became Domino. And it's exciting. And it was, I can't tell you how much of a thrill it was to watch those characters come to life. But I'm kind of celebrating on my own. And I was collecting together a bunch of the Cable action figures over the, uh, the, the, since Cable's inception. Now, I have more than 30 uh, action figure representations, uh, I, 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 some statues, some pops. I'm almost at 50, and I'm trying to get a picture together. So I am. this came about 
So you've got this long intro to where I'm going, but it sets the table and I, it's important to set the table, right? Cable, uh, I have little miniatures. I have the three inch action figures, the six inch action figures, a couple 12 inch action figures. Um, so I'm putting together, assembling them for a photo that I'm trying to make of just, just them, you know, assembled together so you can see the volume of the cable uh, action figures. And then this book that I bought, the 80 years of Marvel Comics only brought back to the fore given how important Cable was to everything that went on in the 90s. His introduction, my introduction of Cable in New Mutants 87 caused that book to turn around. It, it took off. It became a giant best-selling book, which it was not. It launched X-Force. This book will tell you it, it they sold 5 million copies of X-Force. I mean, number two best-selling comic book of all time started a licensing wave where so many ridiculous, uh, you know, uh, action figures. I mean, you got snow cable, you got jungle action cable, you got underwater cable, you got, you know, camouflage cable. I mean, they went crazy with cables and cable became his own kind of G.I. Joe. He, he literally like was, was as like, it was like, they're going to build an entire like he's going to be every G.I. Joe character you ever met because he can be in the jungle, he can be underwater, he can be in the Arctic, he can be in space. They did space cable, okay? So, of course, while I'm doing this, and 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 then I remember all of the many of the episodes that Cable appeared on in the in the X-Men animated series, and Larry Houston, who produced it, could tell you this. They were fan favorite episodes. They involved big storylines that generally were multi-part storylines. Uh, his appearance was really favored by so many people uh, 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 and fans of that time, Cable spun off into his own series, his own mini-series. Um, he has hundreds of issues and his popularity is so well-known. I've I shared with Josh Brolin when I was on set with Josh, prior to that, building up to that when we would talk, I would share with him how popular Cable was, that you are playing the most popular character in the Marvel Universe that had not yet been introduced as a, as a film character. And I, and, I, and I can back that up with the sales of X-Force just alone. And how many, 75, 100 issues of Cable, whatever Cable ran, um, there's been hundreds of issues of X-Force. He literally, again, uh, has had so many different showcases. Uh and has become so important in so many different storylines, executioners, song, um, you know, uh, uh, he's just had had so much. Given that I created the 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 basically his, you know, evil doppelganger who became his chief nemesis and a very important X Men nemesis in Strife, he you cannot underscore how popular and important Cable was. Is is. Do I believe he is untapped in today's market? I do. I, I think that Marvel uh, wants to do something great with him, and I hope in the future they do do something great with him. But in the meantime, just on his own, since he appeared, he has moved millions of units of comics, been the face of his own successful series, led a team, number two best-selling comic book of all time. Why am I telling you this? He's already cast. So we're not looking to recast Josh Brolin. I'm certainly not. I mean, Cable. We're, I love Josh Brolin. I know, speaking of, and we'll hearken back to this in, in terms of the critical character chemistry component. We'll hearken back to this soon. But the, but the, the most important part of what 
I've told you here is this is a very popular character and casting him was important. And I really love what they did with Josh. And, and, and what I'm going to speak more of is some of the, I won't name them, but there were quite a few near, near cables, guys who almost were cable. And it's interesting given had the, had some of these other characters been cast as cable, would I have supported it? Some of them I can tell you right now, I would not have. I was, I was very terrified in regards to his casting. But again, this isn't about cable. It's I've gotten a giant cable illustration here because cable, of course, has filmed in the has appeared in the one film, Deadpool, which made seven hundred eighty-six million dollars with an R rating um, when it was released in summer of twenty eighteen. We have coming up a movie starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson as Black Adam. That movie exists only because Black Adam best favors the physique and the reflection of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And it is meant to capitalize on Dwayne Johnson's popularity and the promise that he brings to it as a movie star in pulling off a character that has not ever held together a franchise and had dozens of comics you can say but he's been a guest star yes but you and i both know because i've done it you can go see how many care how many books how many black adam comics has he literally named black adam comic books have have there been that have been successful that have cultivated the favor of fans he is in no way as a comic book character an a-list character there is no argument to be made that he is not in any way shape or form an a-list character I would argue he is in the C-list, but being portrayed by Dwayne Johnson punches him up to A-list potential. Definitely puts him higher than he is as a comic book character. Now, I, I familiarized myself with Black Adam when I was coming up because Marvel had created a Shazam series to reflect the Shazam Saturday morning show, which was a live action show, which I never missed. I think it ran three seasons. I loved it. It had two different actors actually portraying Billy Batson, I mean, uh, uh, Captain Marvel, but one actor portrayed Billy Batson for the entire time. It was very enjoyable. Kids of the 70s never missed it. It was on late on Saturday after all the cartoons, like around 10.30, 11, 11.30, right before lunch, Shazam was on. It was a great show. It was really the only game in town, but I think they did a great job representing the entire concept and, and representing, you know, Billy Batson transforming into Shazam, into, I mean, into Captain Marvel. The show was called Shazam. They released a show. They released a comic book called Shazam. Quickly, they got to Black Adam. That's why I met Black Adam. Black Adam, as he was introduced in the 1975-1976 Shazam comics, reminded me of Prince Namor, uh, the way he looked, uh, you know, uh, uh, that I from Marvel Comics, Prince Namor, Submariner. And I, I, I liked and I saw and they portrayed you know, Black Adam as the kind of counter, the evil version of kind of this, you know, mystic representation of powers, just as Captain Marvel is the good version. And, um, you know, over, over the years, I was taken with his origin back in the Egyptian days, um, Seth and, uh, you know, just, just, just all of the Black Adam backstory. It's rich. It's good. It's, it's, it's fun. But he doesn't have the chops in comic books that you would associate with a 
character that fans are clamoring to see and that audiences are dying to see based on his sales or his awareness because it's very, very low. You're not going to get 30 Black Adam action figures. You're not going to get hundreds of Black Adam comic books. I don't care if he's appeared in the Suicide Squad, the Justice League, the Marvel family, Shazam, you know, his brief miniseries. Uh, Black Adam has not carried uh, uh, a franchise. He has not been uh, a popular figure in the culture as a comic book character, as an action figure. But now, because... I mean, let's be honest. Dwayne The Rock Johnson looks like Black Adam. At the time that he selected Black Adam, which feels like 15 years ago, may have been 15, perhaps longer. See, that was when The the Rock was having his second swoon. His first, uh, you know, bite at the apple as a breakout actor breaking away from his wrestling days. Uh, He did not... um, he did not uh, exactly set the 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 box the box office on fire. He was um, he was not you know uh, uh, what you would say. He he just wasn't. Um, he got a lot of chances, and yet with all of the films that he made, and as an actor, he's made ninety one films. Ninety one films. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, has has appeared in or filmed productions. Um, but, I mean, let's go back to his days as, you know, in the Gridiron Gang or in Southland Tales or in Doom or, you know, Walking Tall or The Rundown. These movies were not breaking out. They were they were getting him ready for what would happen post, post his uh, appearance, you know, in in uh, let's see which year was it in 2011's Fast Five. By then, prior to Fast Five, you know he was in Faster. He was in the other guys in a funny cameo role. He was in the Tooth Fairy. You know he 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 was in Race to Witch Mountain. He was in Get Smart. None of them positioned him for the superstardom that his turn. In, uh, in in Fast Five would would give him. And we all, you mean, I, I remember very clearly the commercial and don't, whatever you do, let them get into cars. You know, his admonishment towards his other agents as they were preparing to battle the other, uh, uh, you know, Fast and the Furious characters. And so, so, so Dwayne The Rock Johnson breaks out in Fast Five. And he heads up journey to the journey to mysterious island, and and that did well with him replacing Brendan Fraser, um, and and then they, they they tried to use his booming popularity to to get GI Joe, uh, the sequel, to, to get it bigger and better, and that didn't really take. Uh, Pain and Gain was really fun; uh, it was a great turn for him. It's one of my favorite, you know. Michael Bay movies, Michael was really exercising a different muscle, but then we got Fast and the Furious 6, and then, you know, we got Furious 7, and we got San Andreas, and, uh, I mean, this, this was, uh, this was a really big breakout. With San Andreas, I felt like, okay, now he is carrying his own 
franchises. Central Intelligence carried his own. He, his, 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 you know, star is getting bigger and bigger. And so the idea that he could become a superhero when so many of them were spoken for, you know, Superman spoken for and Thor and, you know, maybe he could be Marvel's Hercules, but he was already Hercules in a mythical retelling of Hercules. Um, so he, he, he gets his sights on Black Adam. And now they filmed it. Now it's coming out next year. But Black Adam, the movie, really exists to capitalize on Dwayne The Rock Johnson's potential as a movie star. And that's it. Because Black Adam is not your retailers, a comic book that your retailer that pays his rent, that is consistent, that has, uh, that has a history or a track record. So it is really, you know, camp comes down to... Uh, a character that is ridiculously popular, like Cable, is waiting in the wings, does not have his own vehicle to launch, while a character with none of a character like Cable's success uh, is is ready to launch with a giant array of guest stars and, and, and new heroes that they're going to be introducing because Black Adam looked like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. This is like food for thought. There's no critical analysis here there's no uh, will i be first in line to see black adam i will I, I i'll be there i i like Dwayne the rock johnson i i see almost every film he makes he just makes so many of them they're hard for me to you know keep up with and uh you know i saw him uh doing promotions for red notice which i will absolutely see with uh, with ryan reynolds and gal gadot and of course you know we as superhero people put on our lenses and see that deadpool is standing next to black adam and standing next to isis but um, they did a tease uh, of, of Black Adam on the recent DC, whatever promotional platform that they do. And, you know, it got, it got some buzz, right? But again, that character has no demand. It is just a character with a good enough story to support, but they are literally building it out. It sounds like a lot of the Justice Society are in there with Adam Smasher and with, with, uh, with, with Hawkman and some others. And, 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 and that, that movie really exists because the character best resembles Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So, I mean, it's up to them to make it matter. And maybe we will be looking at a new age, a what's, what's called a, you know, um, retrofitting or a reverse engineering of the Black Adam character upon where we will, in a few years, have had 50 Black Adam figures and statues and, and all sorts of, you know, Maybe he becomes the breakout, most important character in the DCU. It is all possible. All of it's possible. Maybe he becomes cinematically what Wolverine did in comic books and becomes that breakout character that we like to see, that kind of gnarly uh, yeah, uh, 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 rogue, you know, a, a, a bit of a, a rogue that we really enjoy. And again, the fact that he is actually getting to screen before Prince Namor, Submariner, who, grew, who most uh, resembles... Uh, uh, Black Adam in as terms in terms of physical representation, like what they physically look like, um, with with the, the style of hair and and the and and the, and the physique. Um, it's it's interesting. The Black Adam is is beating him to the punch, but you know, in regards to chemistry, the critical chemistry, critical character chemistry component, the CC CC. I was I've 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 uh, referenced Empire of Dreams, the epic. Star Wars documentary of uh, years past that has now was in rotation. I'm not sure if it still is in rotation on Disney Plus, but it is fantastic. It is three hours. It takes you through the absolute formation 
of Star Wars, the beginning of George Lucas' career, the breakthrough after so many doubters. Then even when they go to make The Empire Strikes Back, how the bank almost shut them down. Um, because, the, 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 I mean, if you really, if you take Empire of Dreams and then you read all the making of that, that J.W. Rinsler poured his heart and soul into, you come up with these this great journey of how Star Wars was really didn't, wasn't completely safe until Return of the Jedi because Star Wars was such a Herculean effort. But why I'm bringing it up, Star Wars was a Herculean effort to get made. And why I'm bringing it up is on Empire of Dreams, you see all of the audition tapes and you wonder if William Catt, who was portraying, who went on to portray the greatest American hero, um, which again is, is kind of a favorite of the Bronze Age kids, but it was a really popular TV show there for for a hot minute, a couple seasons. Superhero show, original IP, original superhero show called um, the, the, the Greatest American Hero. I am tempted to start singing the theme song for you, but I will not. I will save you from that. And uh, William Catt was read, he read for Luke Skywalker, Cindy Williams, who was Shirley on Laverne and Shirley. There is, that you can see her audition tape on this, a portion of it as she read for Princess Leia. You can see that um, all manner of different actors. Kurt Russell read for Han Solo. Would that have taken me completely out of the movie? Terry Nunn. Who's Terry Nunn? It's it's N-U-N-N. Terry Nunn in the 80s was a breakout uh, punk pop, new wave pop singer for the band Berlin. And Berlin had about a five-year run of uh, incredible, incredible hits. They ruled the charts. They were they're, they're every, they had just so many pop singles. She was really attractive, beautiful. Um, they opened for I think we went and saw Rick Springfield once, and in, in about twenty two years ago, right at the end of the nineties, early two thousands, she was still rocking it. She's still great, but she was she was everything that MTV loved. She was good looking. She had a great great voice. They made great pop tunes. Everything the camera loved her. She was a video star again, just like radio killed. A video killed the radio star. Well, video stars mattered. That's why fashion and hair and good-looking guys, the 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 beautiful you know men of Duran Duran and the beautiful men of Wham. I mean, these are not uh, you know Spandau Ballet. All all these guys. These are these are face men. They are good-looking guys, and they they were singing you songs, and that's why you know good-looking women and good-looking guys were a staple of MTV forever. And Terry Nunn was the lead singer of Berlin. One of their famous um, songs, that the controversial song was called Sex. And then you know her best from her top, the, a song that was used in Top Gun called Take My Breath Away. And so Terry Nunn is reading for Princess Leia on these these uh, audition tapes. And so you, you see, like, she could, she's, before she was a new wave pop singer, I mean, nearly, like, seven years prior she was trying to be an actress, and she's not so bad. Her her tape isn't so bad. Um, uh, I think there's a guy named Rick Perry. He was on is his, his last name's Perry, or is it Perry something? He was on Riptide, uh, a show that was paired with A Team, uh, that that followed A Team uh, on NBC, and and was a very successful kind of adventurer, kind of uh, you know investigator show. It was kind of this whole action you know, night of action shows that NBC had put together. And, and his th- this actor is reading to be Han Solo. Again, so you got William Catt, 
You got Kurt Russell. And again, Kurt Russell, I'd seen Kurt Russell in a million different Disney movies. Mark Hamill was a fresh face to me. I believed he was Luke Skywalker because I knew him as nothing more than Luke Skywalker. Han Solo, Harrison Ford, never seen him before. Carrie Fisher, never seen her before. Now, I had never seen, it would have been my first time laying eyes on Terry Nunn, possibly my first interaction with William Catt, even though he had been in Carrie. Um, and uh, I guess those would, have, those would have been released at the same time. So I guess he got Carrie instead of Star Wars. But he possibly could have been a fresh face. But, but for, for certain, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher were 100% original faces that I was able to view and interact with in regards to, uh, you know, their appearance and representation of these characters that I went on to love, absolutely love. The only character I recognized when I saw Star Wars was Peter Cushing, who I had seen in a bunch of horror films. Uh, uh, he was, you know, I recognized him as the British bad guy or foil in, in these black and white movies or shows that I had seen through our parents' black and white television that were on during the weekends, which is when all that kind of monster movie stuff played. And so, but everyone else was brand new. I didn't know anybody. They were all fresh faces to me. I had never seen Alec Guinness. He didn't register to me at all. And so, uh, so, so, so to me, Star Wars was all these fresh faces, but re looking at those reads and seeing Cindy Williams, Cindy Williams would have absolutely taken me out. Uh, she was Shirley, okay? Laverne and Shirley, I, I just could not have, I, by that time, it would have been like, but you're like, but she wasn't, I think she had already been Shirley and this would have been a movie role for her. Regardless, I now just go, how could it be anybody but Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, and Harrison Ford? But when you look at that and you look at all the different reads and again, so, you know, sidebar, my Youngest son, so proud of him. He is off making a Disney film right now. Uh, he, once he was cast, you know, there's chemistry reads and with other people to see how they, you know, blend with you and you with them. And so again, critical character chemistry components, okay? This is what makes or breaks so much of what we enjoy. And would it would we be loving Star Wars if it was William Cat? No, no drag on William Cat. What did he have the gravitas? Um, you know, when the camera lingers just on Mark Hamill playing Luke Skywalker as he stares off into the, you know, twin moons off of Tatooine and ponders his future when he, you know, you know, his 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 aunt and uncle are, are dragging him and, and telling him they need to stay an extra year and, and work on the farm. And uh, he can't go be a pilot yet. Like that face, that look, that's the kind of stuff that, that that you bond right there with that character. You feel that character's pain. And that is because of the performance they are putting forth. And we've all seen, not just Star Wars, but, you know, I read where, you know, uh, Amanda Seyfried was, was cast as Gamora. And she didn't, or she was offered the role, but she didn't want to put the makeup on. She didn't want all the green makeup. So, you know, um, it, it, she ended up passing on what possibly could have been a huge role uh, for her to break out of. And, um, you know, there's all sorts of near misses, near, uh, near, you know, casting, casting stories where, where we, where we, you know, find out that, oh, you mean this person could have been this. Ultimately, I think Daniel Craig 
turned out to be one of the greatest uh, casting choices they could have ever hoped for. I thought it was, it really turned out great. Uh, but Zoe Zaldana, you know, really benefited from, I mean, think about it. She was in Avatar. She's in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, um, the, the, Zoe, then she's Uhura in Star Trek. And, and again, the reason I love that original cast, not original, it's not the original cast, even though the original cast of Shatner, Nimoy have great chemistry. It is, it is, it was like really Chris Pine and, and, and that cast had great chemistry too. J.J. Abrams is great at casting films. Uh, Force Awakens is a testament, 100% a testament. I had seen Adam Driver on Girls. We watched Girls on HBO religiously and he was a very conflicted, kind of a darker character. And then, so 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 casting him and making him basically the new face of, of Sith to a new generation turned out to be, you know, very great casting. Uh, I think he more than delivered across all three performances. Um, Daisy Ridley, uh, love her, love her. If she, I, I don't know that I like Ray without Daisy. She's so charming and charismatic and she just carries so much of what I love in each of those films. She is for me, my favorite part. Now on the flip, as much as I like Oscar Isaac, I believe he was completely underused all across the board in the star Wars franchise, seeing him in Dune. Um, I, I just, you know, he, he maybe was even given, I mean, he's definitely given less screen time in Dune than he is in all three Star Wars films, but he is so much more appealing to me in Dune in the way that he is utilized. I always felt that they, as you probably are agreeing and nodding and going, of course, no duh, I felt he was supposed to be the new Han Solo of the franchise when they cast him in these, this new Star Wars series of films. I never truly believed he was utilized properly. Um, and, and to me, that's wasted casting, even though J.J. can cast like a mother, can pick, I mean, whether it's Alias, whether it's Lost, um, the Star Trek reboot, Star Wars, I just think he's fantastic. Um, he has a great eye for, for casting. And, uh, you know, but, but Oscar Isaac, to me, wow, great cast, great actor. I've seen everything Oscar Isaac's done. All his intricate character stories, character work, all his films. So excited to get him in the Star Wars franchise. And I felt like they kind of left him, you know, at the altar and left him behind. Daisy Ridley definitely got a lot of the screen time. John Boyega got plenty of screen time. I loved him. He was fun. Um, uh, but, but it really came down to being Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver and their showcase. And look, they could carry it. I love Daisy Ridley. I miss seeing her on screen. She's really fun uh, to watch. And she's Again, the camera loves her, like 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 I've spoken of in, in regards to the Eternals. Angelina Jolie has always her, her. We love her. She's a movie star. She has a great face. She has great emotions. She has great range. And when she fills up that four story screen or that six story, eight story IMAX, you it it carries you. Um, you know, again, so so chemistry and who coulda woulda shoulda who might have gotten. Do I love Guardians of the Galaxy as much if? If, if, if it's Amanda Seyfried instead of Zoe Zaldana, maybe not. 
Um, Chris Pratt was a big deal when he got cast as Star Wars. We all know this. I remember I was sitting in a coffee house, an independent coffee house, not a Starbucks, not a coffee bean. Um, and when I was reading my computer and I saw that Chris Pratt had been cast as Star Lord and I was like, huh, you know, I, 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 I knew him from Parks and Rec. I knew him from being the smarmy, um, asshole friend in Wanted who gets his teeth knocked out by James McAvoy. Um, and, and I'm like, wow. But then we watched Chris, you know, Chris Pratt just completely, uh, transform himself, become this physical specimen, embody, uh, Star Lord and, and endear our, you know, endear him to ourselves, uh, for what it, what it seems like now, like two decades, even though I don't think even it's even been 10 years since Guardians, but, but, but what a resounding, you know, another great casting. You would not have thought Chris Pratt would have worked as exemplary as, as a, as, as, as well as he did in such an exemplary fashion. And he is Star-Lord to me. I mean, that is a tough role, just like, you know, I, I don't believe Deadpool will ever be recast. I believe it that role dies with Ryan Reynolds. I believe, again, he can continue playing Deadpool. But when you get the next Deadpool movie, already we're at four years from Deadpool uh, 2 this summer. We're at four years. We're at six years from the original. Uh, if they filmed it this spring, which they're <clears throat> not, as, as far as I'm aware, uh, but if they were at the earliest possible opportunity, you wouldn't get Deadpool till maybe 2023 at the very earliest, which now puts you at, uh, at, at, at seven years. I mean, I mean, it, wow. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, if it was 2023, that would be six years from the sequel. Okay. Six years from Deadpool two. So, you know, it, it's great that he reminds us how great he is at Deadpool when he makes like a trailer uh, like he did with Taika and, and, and Taika is, 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 is performing as Korg in, in, in the interest of selling us on Free Guy and going and seeing Free Guy. That was so wonderful. It reminds us. But again, Deadpool, if, if by that time, you know, uh, if in 2023, 2024, Deadpool comes out, Ryan will have been Deadpool uh, since 2009. I mean... <clears throat> you're talking a good 14, 15 year span that he has carried that character, which matches up well with how Robert Downey Jr. portrayed his character longer than Christian Bale portrayed Batman, uh, longer than Tobey Maguire. I mean, it's 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 incredible. Again, it comes down to chemistry, the CC, CC critical, chemistry, character, component. And um, whoever wins those reads and gets those roles uh, and, and and works as well as they do, uh, gives us this the, these great relationships with these characters, and 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 we uh, we take that ride. We once 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 that chemistry is nailed, we take that ride. I hope that there is more Josh Brolin as Cable. I hope he gets his own film. I hope he gets his own franchise. X Force can go beyond everything that was established in Deadpool. I hope the Black Adam is great. But my point being that you know this is a character that has no demand other than he looks like The Rock. And so they're going to go forward. They're going to make that work. That's going to be fun to watch. Um, and it's, I mean, honestly, it's going to work. It'll open. It'll do well. Um, it, it really is a question of how well, how great does it do? Because The Rock, as you guys know, will sell uh, sell the crap out of it. He will get out. He will work all of the promotional angles. And um, 
just imagine if it's great. If it's great, look, I mean, we're going to be looking at decades of, or at least a good solid year, 10 years uh, of The Rock, given his incredible devotion to fitness. But, you know, I do, my mind does wander as to what, uh, who will be the next Wolverine? Who will be the next X-Men? There's always casting. You guys, I didn't even scratch the Fantastic Four, but there's always the, you know, Fantastic forecasting rumors that are out there and big, big roles because they're getting recast. It was, you know, it, it's almost like Marvel's biggest characters that haven't been cast are of the Darkhawk or the Sleepwalker variety unless you decide to recast some of the most popular characters in the history of comic book mythology. And, and when you do that with the Fantastic Four and you do that with the X-Men, you're going to open yourself up to, again, maybe the third version of Storm, maybe the third version of Professor X, the second Wolverine, uh, the third Magneto. I mean, come on. I Do I believe that Michael Fassbender has more mileage as Magneto? I do. I hope they hang, hang on to him. Watch him age and turn into Ian McKellen. Um, it can be done. I mean, Fassbender has got such amazing acting chops. Why would you choose to move away from that when he can return in such authoritative fashion? And, and be the older Magneto that he was always meant to be and grow with that role. It's fantastic. I think there's there's all sorts of critical character chemistry components yet to consider. But what ha- if those Star Wars roles from the beginning had been miscast? What if Kurt Russell had won the day? An actor who I was very familiar with from all his Disney work. Maybe I don't love Han Solo. Maybe I don't love Star Wars. Maybe I can't stop looking at him as a Kurt Russell character. Okay, Roles being recast. Bond, Wolverine, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men. These are the excitement that await us in the days ahead because there will be another James Bond. There will eventually be another Wolverine, other X-Men movies. So uh, the critical character chemistry component will not go away easily. We're going to continue to dwell on this. And I did not know that I would end up with an entire podcast devoted to it. But again, this is the kind of stuff that is really interesting. A Literally a star can make a role that that nobody truly cares about happen. And that is what is happening with Black Adam. And you can go, but life, look, I've read great Black Adam stories. Please do not get the idea that I don't think Black Adam is a great character. But has he been a great sales force in the comic book industry? Has he carried a franchise? Has he carried a successful line um, named Black Adam? Black Adam comics. He hasn't. Those those are those those questions have already been answered in the negative for that character. But will he get a second life? Probably, possibly, most likely. Will Cable get another life? Let's hope. Josh Brolin, come on. He is only in his in his third act as an actor, growing in stature, influence, favor. I do not know how they do not greenlit greenlight more cable films. And given with the, that, you, you kind of got to be in a serious sense of denial to not. Understand that Deadpool and Venom, two giant box office, two billion dollar franchises. One was for Fox, one was for Sony. So neither of these made a billion dollars under the MCU. Two billion and a half franchises on their own. 1.5, 1.5, you know, when you get them together, there's three billion, right? Outside of the MCU, what combined what, what unites them is the favor of the 90s, their popularity, um, the 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 the, uh, the adoration of the fans. And come on, like I've mentioned in my five-part Making of Deadpool series, Deadpool was video in the all-essential video game space for a decade, building a brand new fan base before he broke off as a, as a, as a movie character. And he was a super popular comic book character before he was 
a, a video character. Also, he was a multiple line of toys and action figures and statues and expensive, uh, very sought after collectibles prior to him busting through in the video games, which set the platform to him to be much better known and then launch into these great series of films. The 90s matter. Cable is, is, is another huge sign of the 90s. This wasn't all about cable. I have taken you to all of the different realms where I go and, uh, and, and, and the different um, castings. And, and you know, I, I, I won't tell you or confirm some of the other actors who were up for cable. I'm just relieved and was elated when they landed on Josh because he was perfect. And I knew from the get-go he would give us the grit. He would give us the, uh, the, 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 the resolution that, that, that Cable needs in his character to, to carry on his mission. He would give us the sorrow. He, he would give us the gravitas. And he did. And so, uh, yeah, critical character, chemistry, components. We'll come back to this another time. You guys, what a... So that was a wild one, okay? But we're loading this one up. This is, this is your episode. This, this is what you got coming. You, you, I hope you enjoy it. A lot, lot to think about. A lot to chew on. I said I had a lot on my mind. I did. I can't wait till they choose the next Bond, the next Wolverine, the Fantastic Four, whoever else. I mean, we've had how many Batmans? How many Spider-Mans? Okay. Um, <clears throat> so this is the time of the show where I read your reviews. And you guys are so generous and so kind. And I am going to um, read some reviews for you guys today. And uh, and some of these, some of these, you guys, some of these, um, you guys are really funny. Um, uh, this is from uh, Sean Kelly. And uh, Sean Kelly writes, Stan Lee uh, created some of the most iconic characters in human history and was a terrific ambassador for comics. With Stan's passing, Rob Liefeld has taken the torch from Stan, continuing to spread his infectious love for the comics and behind-the-scenes insight via this riveting podcast. Part cultural analysis, part comic history, part stories of first-hand industry experience. Rob's observations has become my number one go-to podcast, and it should become yours as well. Sean Kelly. Thank you, Sean. Uh, I'm going to read this really quick one from uh, Bud. Uh, no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's the title. The title of the review is Bud. The, the guy who wrote it, his name is Don't Like Soccer. That's his name, Don't Like Soccer. He says, I have never heard Todd McFarlane speak except via Rob Liefeld's impression of him. Five stars, he writes. He writes five stars and gives the show five stars. Thank you. Um, you guys are way too kind. Uh, the last one I'm going to read is from D. Rockalypse. And D. Rockalypse just writes, this is a macho show. It's a macho show. And if you re- listen to this, podcast you know exactly what that's in reference to i'm gonna let you hunt that down thank you for listening to this show thank you for your reviews thank you for writing these reviews i will share them at the end of every episode we need your word of mouth your um your subscriptions your reviews that you put on the platform i i I appreciate them so much we need your five stars we need your highest possible recommendations thank you thank you thank you for listening and supporting observations you can see me reach me on social media on twitter i am at Robert Liefeld on Twitter, the whole name. I have a blue check to tell you that that's really me. On Instagram, I am at Rob Liefeld, R-O-B-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. Got another blue check. That's really me. On Facebook, I am all over Facebook. I have my own pages, my own groups. I am part of so many different sci-fi groups, and I'm always on the platform commenting, talking with so many of you. I love our conversations. I love sharing opinions. 
I love talking comics with you guys. It is such a delight. Thank you again for tuning in. Uh, continue to spread the word, and I appreciate it so, so very much. This is the time of the show when we wrap up where you confirm to me that you're going to take care of yourselves. I believe it. I know you're going to. You got to stay safe out there. You got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of your emotional, your your physical needs, your mental needs. Just just slow it down. Have fun. Have a good time. Enjoy the other people around you. Um, seek out people who love you and care about you and, and just stay away from the noise that drags you down. That is my best advice. And um, you're going to stay safe. And we will talk again real soon. 